Okay, as usual, we're going to begin with the first question, and that is, what valuable lessons have you learned that had nothing to do with formal education? What valuable lessons you have learned that had nothing to do with formal education? The first Bible verse my parents taught me when I was the littlest little girl, uh, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Mm. I think the, that life lesson was drilled into me early, and also that um, I was to respect and uh, obey authority. Mm. Okay. Anyone else? Valuable lesson that you didn't get from formal education. You didn't learn it in school or no educational institution. Okay, you do. You got that right. Okay, I remember that one. Yeah, that was a firm one. Speak when you're spoken to and answer when you're called. There was another one. That has to do with children. Anybody remember that one? Children are to be seen, seen and not heard. Right. That's another one. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Let's look at um, Bible Meets Life, page 39. Someone go ahead and read it, please. Military conflicts, several wars. Corrupt government, violence, drugs, and addiction. The news is constantly reminding us our world is falling apart. But what can we do? Education is the answer. We hear this frequently. If we just educate people, they will learn to overcome their prejudice. Education will correct their thinking and that and take them beyond their ethnic hatred. Violence, temperaments, and addictions, education will enable us to get along with each other and with ourselves. If your perspective is that people are basically good, then education may seem to be the logical solution. Good people can be taught to choose what is good and right. Unfortunately, that is not the biblical perspective. The Bible reminds us that our sin and rebellion are not the root of the world's problem. Uh, at the root. Are at the root of the world's problem. Education has its benefits, to be sure, but it can only do so much. What we need is the wisdom that comes from God. Okay. So education can only do so much. What we need is the wisdom that comes from God, right? So from the earliest age, we were taught to value education. And not just book smarts, right? But street smarts also. No matter how much we know, the greater value is in knowing how to apply and live out what we know. Solomon certainly was wise, and he gave us much wisdom in the book of Proverbs. But he knew that wisdom by itself is not enough. The greatest wisdom comes from 
trusting God. And Solomon's wisdom was not only having wisdom, but knowing how to apply it appropriately. You can have all the wisdom in the world, but if you know, don't know how to apply it, it doesn't mean anything. So, let's ask God for wisdom. Father in heaven, you are the God who is all wise. We ask, Lord, that you would give us wisdom for all of the circumstances in life that we find ourselves encountering, and that our response will bring you great glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we have uh, our first passage to look at a second, is Colossians, sorry, Ecclesiastes, chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. But before we read that, let me give you the setting for the passages that we're going to look at today, the lessons that we, the lesson we're going to look at today. While Solomon gained incredible wealth, he is best known for his amazing wisdom. In 1 Kings 3, God appeared to Solomon and offered him anything he wanted. Whatever, anything in the whole wide world, like little children would say, anything in the whole wide world that you wanted, you can have. Solomon chose what? Wisdom. Wisdom. So God answered his request, giving Solomon a wise and understanding heart so that there has never been anyone like you before and never will be again. Think about that for a minute. He was the wisest man who ever lived. And God says, There's no, I'm not going to create anybody who's going to be wiser than you. Nobody's ever been wiser than you before you, and I'm going to make sure that there'll be nobody after you. God said that. And Solomon didn't ask for that. All right? That's in 1 Kings 3.12. So when Solomon began searching for purpose and wisdom, his insights and conclusions carried a great deal of weight. In a world mired in foolishness, we need to grasp the advantages and limitations of wisdom. And we saw how that, uh, how that Bible meets world started, right? Military conflicts. Is there anywhere in the world where there is no military conflict? We got military conflicts all over the world, right? You turn on the news and there's somebody fighting somewhere. Okay? Civil wars. They're just about almost ready to have one of those in Venezuela. Corrupt governments. Again, Venezuela, Brazil, any other governments you could think of? Yeah. Well, there's corruption in all governments. <laughs> all governments have corruption. Somebody's dealing under the table somewhere. And then, of course, violence. Can't get away from that one. Drug addiction. All of this stuff is going on constantly. So we live in a world that is mired in confusion and all kinds of things. Okay, let's look at those verses then. Someone let's read those verses, please. Then I turn to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. For what will the king's successor be like? He will do what has already been done. And I realize that there is an advantage to wisdom over folly, like the advantage of light over darkness. The wise person has eyes in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I also knew that one fate comes to them both. So I said to myself, what happens to the fool will also happen to me. 
Why then have I been overly wise? And I said to myself that this is also futile. For, just like the fool, there is no lasting remembrance of the wise, since in the days to come both will be forgotten. How is it that the wise person dies just like the fool? Therefore, I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me, for everything is futile and a pursuit of the wind. Okay, look at the word fate. Go ahead. One fate. Despite the differences, the wise person and the fool both face death. This is the common fate of all humanity. Hebrews 9, verse 27. Go on. No one in the world was wiser than Solomon. <coughs> so, in his quest to find meaning in life, it's not surprising that Solomon would turn to consider wisdom, madness, and folly. Verse 12 is hard to interpret. For what will the king's successor be like? He will do what has already been done. We can understand this verse in two ways. One, no matter what king came after Solomon, he would have to deal with these same issues. Two, since Solomon was the wisest person in the world, no other king after him would be able to do any better. Both interpretations make sense, and the point stands with either one. Whoever came after Solomon would fare no better in trying to explain the world through human wisdom. But wisdom, true wisdom, is right thinking or belief that leads to right living. Wisdom and righteous living are wound tightly together. Conversely, folly and madness result in unrighteous living. Solomon turned to investigate whether or not wisdom has any advantage over madness or folly. He unearthed three realities. Number one. Even in this life, there is more to gain from wisdom than from folly. Just as light has advantages over darkness, so also the wise person has eyes in his head. He is able to see, but the fool walks in darkness. Just think what our world would be like if everyone pursued wisdom, right thinking and right believing that leads to right living. We would live in a world where good citizens pay the taxes and obey the laws, all homeowners pay their bills and maintain their property. Every student studies hard to make good grades. All workers contribute their best efforts to their company. Every manager empowers his employees. All parents raise their children to be good citizens. In a world where wisdom abounds, not only the wise person benefits, others benefit as well. Number two. Whether we live a good life or a wicked life, we all still die and are forgotten. In the end, Solomon said, it doesn't matter how we live because the wise and the foolish, the righteous and the unrighteous, all share the same fate, death. Solomon acknowledged, what happens to the fool will also happen to me. Wisdom may mean a healthy lifestyle and we might prolong our lives by several years, but still, in the end, we die. Mm -hmm. Number three, trying to live a righteous life apart from God only leads to frustration and grief. When you consider the fate of humanity, whether you live a good life or not, what's the point? The pointlessness and futility of it all can make someone like Solomon hate life. From a purely secular viewpoint, it makes no difference how we live this life if we can't escape death. Clearly, 
While wisdom may have its advantages, it also has its limitations. Wisdom in and of itself is not enough. Okay. All right, so um, wisdom and knowledge, wisdom, madness, or folly. What is folly? What's another word for folly? Foolishness. Foolishness, right. And the Bible says something, uh, says a lot about foolishness, right? One of the things it says about uh, uh, discipline with regards to foolishness, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of correction, the rod of correction will drive it out of him, right? Uh, so with that you can replace that word folly. Wherever you see that word folly, you can see foolishness. And people all around us, we witness every day the foolishness that people are doing in the world today. I, we were in the grocery store yesterday and we were walking through the aisle where they have the, you know, the food drinks on the aisle. And uh, Juliana said, Daddy, there was a man in the store and he took one of those drinks out and he pulled the lid off it and dropped it on the floor and he drank some of it and put it back in the shelf. What? Foolishness. Oh my and I said, you, y'all didn't tell anybody? No, they just kept going because they didn't want to, you know, the man may have been crazy or half crazy or whatever. Right, but I know I would have said something. Yeah, something you know? else, he's going to do something else else. Yeah, yeah. like people go in the grocery store in the fruit section and they're eating the fruits as they're picking yeah, through yes. them. And, uh-huh. That's stealing. That's, uh-huh. right. that's stealing. You know, they used to have signs up in the store that says no eating the fruits. They took them down. I don't know why. You know, but foolishness, all those things fall into the category of foolishness. Yeah, foolishness. So, Solomon's words can be interpreted, two, of Sol- two, two ways Solomon's words can be interpreted. No matter what the king after Solomon would have to deal with, with these issues, whatever, whoever the king is that comes after Solomon, they're going to have to deal with these issues, Solomon says. And since Solomon is the wisest person in the world, no king after him would be able to do any better than he had done. Okay, it's what he is saying, what Solomon is saying. So the point of the advantages of wisdom are over folly. Comparable to the advantage the light holds over darkness. It is better to see where you're going and to walk in darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Much better. Okay, whenever the power goes out, you may know your house very well, but whenever the power goes out, you're looking for light, right? Yeah. A flashlight or something. something right? All right, but you live there, you know that well. So light is always a better advantage than darkness. The wise tend to see problems coming and can avoid them, or at least prepare for them. <coughs> Fools do what? Consistently land in trouble because they stumble with no sense of direction. Okay? That's the fool. And then we saw that key word, which is fate, right? So even in this life, there's more to gain than wisdom, from wisdom than from foolishness. So whether we live a good life or a wicked life, we all still die and in most cases are forgotten. And trying to live a righteous life apart from God only leads to what many people are experiencing today, frustration and grief. And they don't realize that the frustration and grief that they're experiencing can be remedied by a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They don't realize that because that's the folly 
in their thinking and in their ways. Question number two. What are some examples of practical wisdom in our, in our culture? Some examples of practical wisdom in our culture. Can we think of any? Think before you act. Think before you act. Because whenever you act, whatever you do, you can't take it back. The consequences of what you do by your actions, can you reverse it? Most cases you can't, right? So you think before you act. What's another one? Be anxious for nothing. There are a lot of anxious people in our world. And anxious, uh, anxiety can cause some problems and also accidents. We don't know how many of the accidents that we hear about on the streets and the statistics came from anxiety. What else? Practical wisdom. Better late than never. Hmm? <laughs> Better late than never. <laughs> Sometimes people use that as an excuse to be late. <laughs> All right. But that's what they say. Okay, next we will see Solomon's continuing quest for wisdom. In uh, chapter 7, verses 23 to 25. Let's look at those verses. His continuing quest for wisdom. He never stopped looking for wisdom. Who want to take that one? I will. I have tested all this by wisdom. I resolved, I will be wise. But it was beyond me. What exists is beyond reach and very deep. Who can discover it? I turn my thoughts to know, explore, and examine wisdom and an explanation for things and to know that wickedness is stupidity and folly is madness. Go on. Human wisdom cannot answer life's ultimate questions. From a secular point of view, human wisdom cannot explain the intelligent design of the universe. How is it that the earth is the precise distance away from the sun for its heat and energy to benefit us? A slight change, either closer to the sun or farther away, would make our planet uninhabitable. Um, human wisdom cannot explain order. Why do we see order, not chaos, when we consider the cosmos? Wisdom, human wisdom, cannot explain the complex design of the human body. How can all the systems of the human body function as they do and cooperate with each other? How is the body able to heal itself? Human wisdom cannot explain love. Why would one person willingly sacrifice for another in selfless ways? Human wisdom cannot explain joy. Why are new parents overcome with joy when their baby is born? <laughs> Solomon resolved to test all this by wisdom. In other words, he applied with human wisdom to what he saw and experienced all around him. Yet, he had to admit, it was beyond me. The existence of the world with all its intricacies was beyond reach and very deep when he tried to explain it by mere human wisdom. Notice the language Solomon used in verse 25. He endeavored to know, explore, and examine. These are very deliberate words. Solomon took care 
to try to understand and explain all things by human wisdom. This wasn't just some casual exercise. He worked at it, but it was still beyond him. It's not just the beautiful and good things that the wisdom of this world cannot explain. Human wisdom also has no explanation for wickedness. By observation, we too might come to the conclusion that there is certainly no one righteous on the earth who does good and never sins. But why is that the case? Why do terrorists fly passenger planes into buildings? Why does a mother drown her own children in a bathtub? Why do crime syndicates kidnap young women, drug them, and then traffic them for prostitution? Why does one ethnic group view another as less than human? Why do the wicked seem to prosper while righteous people continue to be oppressed and impoverished? Human wisdom may be sufficient to know that wickedness is stupidity and folly is madness, but it can't explain why. Of course, believers and unbelievers alike would agree it's madness for religious zealots to fly planes into buildings to kill thousands of people. To both the religious and irreligious, it is certainly wicked for a mother to take the lives of her own children. And no one disagrees that human slavery is wrong. But why? <clears throat> Life under the sun and wisdom, apart from God, want to assume all people are good, but the environment, lack of education, or absence of first world perks ruins them. But even highly educated people living in the ideal first world environment do evil things. And the world is left wondering why. Yes, there is always that question when something happens. Why? Notice uh, that a secular point of view of using human wisdom cannot explain what uh, this passage says. The intelligent design of the universe. Secular wisdom can't explain that. Secularism can't explain order, not chaos in the cosmos. You know, God has specifically and uniquely designed the cosmos in such a way as it says, if we were a little bit closer or a little bit further, <laughs> we, we wouldn't be able to survive on Earth. It'll be either too hot or too cold. All right? God has the correct balance. And uh, human wisdom can't explain the complex design of the human body. That's why doctors practice medicine. Because only God, the great physician, knows everything about the human body because he created it. Every vessel, every vein, every ligament. And that's why the doctor says we need to run some tests. Okay, we need to do a diagnostic. We need to do an MRI. We need to take x-ray. Because they don't know all the answers. They're always, why is this happening? And then they, mis they misdiagnose uh, symptoms. It may be this, and it may be that. When my wife was in hospital with that pain, they said, oh, maybe kidney stones. We get to run this test. It wasn't kidney stones. And I was talking with my supervisor the other day, and he says, boy, I have the same problem that your wife had. The same problem. And I'm doing therapy now, too. And he explained how the pain shoots from the back to the front. And he said, that's exactly what my wife said she was going through. And he says, yes. He said, when, when she does the therapy, let me know who she goes with so I can go there too. <laughs> okay? But no one can explain the complex designs of the human body. 
And that's why doctors need to be humble, don't you think? Yeah. You know many doctors that rely on prayer these days? A lot of them are saying, you know, you need to pray. Because they realize they don't know everything. No matter how many years they spend in medical school, only the great physician knows it all. But human wisdom cannot also explain not only the complex of the human body, it can't explain love and it can't explain joy, as we have seen. Okay, but uh, Solomon discovered, despite all his God-given discernment, some things were beyond his ability to grasp. Now remember now, Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. There was nobody on earth that was wiser than him. But despite all of his God-given wisdom, there's still some things that he did not just have, he didn't have the ability to grasp. And he says so. Okay, humanity's sin, nature made explaining human conduct impossible. Impossible. You can never, you know, when you listen to the news and you see some of the things and you hear about some of the things that people do to other human beings, it was just, it's just beyond your imagination that someone would ever even think about doing such a thing. But it happened. And we don't know why. The human, nothing uh, can explain. The sin nature made explaining conduct, human conduct impossible, at least from a rational perspective. And then Solomon struggled to explain the whole sin has on human beings. Now that's something we don't really think about. But we see a lot of the, 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 the applications of it. Okay, the, the grip or the graft that sin have on human beings. And we wonder how that person, why that person can't change. It's because of the grasp, the grip that sin have on their lives. And then uh, some things uh, that Solomon said were beyond them were, no microscope is powerful enough to see inside our hearts and minds. They haven't made any machine. Nobody has created anything that can do that yet. And they're creating a lot of machines that can do a lot of stuff. But no machine is able to do that yet. No surgery. Have we ever any surgery that, that reveal a person's motivations for doing something? Yeah. Surgery can't do that. <laughs> they're working on it. God is infinite wisdom is giving the people to do it right. No human being will ever be wise enough to explain everything there is to know about humanity. So there are a lot of things that uh, you can't find answers to. Explore, examine, these are key words that Solomon used uh, in talking about. And, and, and again, remember, he was the wisest man who ever lived. And he didn't have all the answers. Question number three. Since wisdom is beyond us, why do we continue to pursue it? Mm. Why? It's beyond us. Why do we continue to pursue it? Thinking that we will um, uh, get to know truly what it is. Okay. <laughs> but, but it's impossible. You know, we're... Wisdom is, but it's impossible. Okay. Um, wisdom can be defined also as having the ability to analyze every situation and condition that will confront you in this life mm -hmm. and choosing the right over the wrong. Mm -hmm. You could say, well, 
I'm applying my wisdom, but then it's beyond me. Mm -hmm. I'm applying my wisdom to know that, yes, I understand this and I will apply it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the key is application. Yeah. Sister Brenda? As I was talking about this, you know, come to my mind. Instead of seeking wisdom, we need to seek Jesus. Because God has made Christ Jesus to be our wisdom. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. All right, time's going. Next, we will see an example of folly and discover ways to avoid falling into the trap of sin. That's the next passage. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verses 26 to 29. Who want to take that one? Any takers? Okay, I'll take it. And I find more bitter than death the woman who is in a, who is a trap, her heart a net, and her hands chains. The one who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner will be captured by her. Look, says the teacher, I have discovered this by adding one thing to another to find out the explanation, which my soul continually searches for but does not find. I found one person in a thousand, but none of those was a woman. Only see this. I have discovered that God made people upright, but they pursued many schemes. Though Solomon's quest to find meaning by pursuing wisdom proved impossible, his search produced three conclusions. One, sin affects our relationships. On the surface, Solomon sounds extremely anti-woman in verses 26 to 28. But from a male perspective, he was addressing the continuing conflict between men and women. Because of sin, the marriage relationship can often be a place of conflict. It's a conflict that begins in our own hearts. Solomon may have had in mind the events of Genesis 3, when Eve was tempted and sinned, and then Adam followed suit. They both chose to sin, and one of the consequences of their one of the consequences of their fall was that for Eve, your desire will be for your husband, yet he will rule over you. Genesis 3.16. The woman would have a simple desire to entrap or rule over her husband, while her husband would have a desire to dominate her. Sin has spoiled many marriages, and no one knew that better than Solomon who was led astray by his many wives and concubines. Two, wisdom is rare in this world. Solomon confessed that he only found one person in a thousand who was wise, and none of those was a woman. Again, this sounds biased against women. But remember, Solomon didn't have the best experience with women. Solomon had disobeyed God's continued to God's command by marrying hundreds of pagan wives from other nations. First Kings 11, 1 Kings 11, 1-6. to 6. 
These women turned his heart away to follow other gods, according to verse 4. It may have been this experience with his wives that led Solomon to have such a low opinion of women. But it's ironic that Solomon, who obviously saw women as an unwise and corrupting influence, still chose to follow those women's unwise and corrupt ways. <laughs> Three, all humanity is sinfully corrupt. Only when we pursue God will we find the wisdom we need to answer life's questions and live righteously in this world. Divine wisdom is a gift from God that gives us insight into his character, his will, and his ways. When we embrace his wisdom, it results in righteous living. God promises to give, us, give this wisdom to all who ask for it. Remember James 1, 5 to 8? This divine wisdom provides the answer to the problem of sin and evil. When God made this when God made this good world, Solomon declared he made people upright. But instead of living in this upright state and pursuing God, Adam and Eve pursued their own sinful scheme to be like God. And we continue today to foolishly pursue our own schemes. That's not the end of the story. God came to earth to bring us back to himself. He chose us. God didn't choose us because we were, we were wise according to this world. He doesn't choose us because we come from power or privilege. No. He chooses what this world considers foolish and weak, lowly and despised. When we come to him, he gives us his wisdom because we receive Christ. You are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us. Our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. 1 Corinthians 1.30 The wisdom we need comes from pursuing God through faith in Jesus. And that wisdom leads to righteous living. Last question. What does trust in God's wisdom add value or how? Does trust in God's wisdom add value to your life? Anyone want to answer that? We desire the things that God loves. We love to Okay. We would be more concerned for the things that He chooses. We've done one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I know that when I'm obeying what he tells me in his word, that's a reward in itself, knowing I'm pleasing him. Mm -hmm. And so that, that adds great value to my yeah. life. There are a lot of wisdom, people who claim to have wisdom in this world, and people reject that, reject God's wisdom for that. Uh, when we choose God's wisdom, we are showing that we trust God more than anything else. Um, Pastor Randy, mm -hmm. it goes back to what I said earlier. Mm -hmm. Wisdom, my definition of wisdom is to be able to analyze every situation and condition that will confront you in this life mm -hmm. and to choose the right over the wrong. So those who choose to follow Christ, that's wisdom. Mm -hmm. 
Those who did, does not choose to follow Christ, that's not wisdom. That's foolishness. That's foolishness. Mm-hmm. So that's my definition and mm-hmm. a nutshell of what wisdom is all about. Having the ability to analyze every situation and every condition that you mm-hmm. confront you in this life and to choose the right or the wrong. That's wisdom. That's okay. the nutshell of wisdom. Okay. Amen. How do we live this out? Page 30, 47. When we pursue God, He promise, promises to give us the wisdom we need that leads to righteous living. How will you pursue God this week? Three options. Consider God's good creation. On a clear night this week, go outside, look up at the stars, read Genesis 1 and Psalm 8, and thank God for his wise, creative, and powerful work. Good exercise. Secondly, memorize Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, and he will make your path straight. As you go through the week, think of the ways you can pursue God and trust in his wisdom, rather than relying on yourself. And then thirdly, have a conversation. Spend time with an unbelieving friend, and ask them how they might explain the problems in the world and the nature of sin and evil. As you listen without judging, Pray and seek the opportunity to share the gospel and the wisdom of God. With all the information available to us, it's easy to lean on our own wisdom. Google it. That's often the, often, often the answer to many issues, right? Google it. Instead, of, instead, let us pursue God and the wisdom he offers. That's the only wisdom worth possessing. Amen? Amen. The only wisdom. Father, give us wisdom so that we can experience the quality of life you intended for us to have from the beginning. Help us to trust you with all of our hearts and to lean not on our own understanding. We ask this in Christ's name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Reflect on our lesson this week and see what God will do. Amen.